Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one size fits all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Good morning, millennials. Welcome back to The Morning Toast. Happy Tuesday. It's a beautiful day. Hey, Claude, how are you doing? You know what? I have been better. I had, you know, somewhat of a difficult oh, no. evening. Yes. Um, I would say around 11 o'clock, I downloaded a new game on my phone. It's a billiards game where you play with strangers, like, from around the world, and it's fabulous and it really got to me. I was up until five in the morning, five in the morning, playing this game. I swear on my life. I want to feel bad for you and I was ready to hear about your rough night and, and share some sympathy. Yes. But that's ridiculous. Billiards. No, really? I know. It, it was a very addicting game. I could not sleep. I had watched so much Mad Men all day. Like my head was in 1960 New York, you know? Like, it was really hard for me to shake, like, all of the media that I had been processing over the last few hours, and the billiards was a welcomed relief. It was it's such a fabulous game. I'm, like, addicted to games on my phone, and this one is probably the worst I've ever been addicted. I'm still addicted to balls, too, with a Z. If you know, you know. That's really bad. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, no, it's... Like, to watch TV all day and then be up till 5 a.m. playing a game, like, that's really bad. In the vein of what we spoke about yesterday, like... The addiction to technology. Yeah. It's concerning. It's definitely worse when you and I are podcasting from home because it just kind of feels like a mini vacation because even though we have to work, it's like I don't have to do my hair and makeup. I don't have to go to the art studio. Like it feels very relaxed. I'm like, I can go to bed whenever I want. And I really can't. Yeah, I don't know. For me, it doesn't feel that way. Like, I feel like I wake up earlier when we do it from home because we want to get it out. I don't know. I just, the only difference is that we don't put on makeup. But these days, I come home and take off my makeup. So it's just not a waste of makeup. But aside from that, I don't know. You got to get a little, a little structure in your day, I think. No, I, I, I've lost control over my life. And this is what rock bottom looks like, people. And it ain't pretty. It's beautiful, Claudia. That's right. It ain't pretty. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, speaking of absolute beauty and something that might be the thing to turn your day around, how's Theo? He's wonderful. He thanks you for asking. And he um, had a very busy morning. It's raining here in New York, which is a huge disturbance for us dog owners. It just makes our life so hard. So Theo got a really quick bath this morning. It's been a wild morning here at the Ashray Safar household. Wow, that's a busy morning. I can't wait to hear about how the rain has impacted Magnolia's day yep. on Snitch's Instagram story. Speaking of the snitch, The Bachelorette comes back tonight. 
Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, um, wow. Whoa. I I, I want to say, like, it feels like it just snuck up on us, but it's literally been eight months since Bachelor content. No, I'm... Like, I knew it was this week, but the fact that it's today and I'm eventually going to have to, like, take my TV and put it back on cable and watch The Bachelorette, like, that's hard. I mean, ooh, wow, you just really sprung that on me. I totally, I just woke up, Jackie. Like, come on, relax. Like, I know. You have to prepare yourself. And that's only half the announcement if you're ready for the other half of it. Oh, no. What's the other half? The other half is that since The Bachelorette is coming back tonight, The Snatchler is coming back on Thursday, which... For us big Snatchleritis fans, is so exciting. That's probably the only good thing about The Bachelorette coming back. I'm feeling very conflicted, as I always do at the beginning of a Bachelor season, because I either am like going to stick with it or not stick with it at all. Um, and the the Tasha on the horizon is making me want to stick with it, and I just feel like a lot of people, given the fact that like we're still like somewhat living like a weird version of life, I think a lot of people will be tuning in, and I don't want to have FOMO. It's just such a heavy lift, like on my part, every every week, two hours a week, and then recapping it here, making the memes like it's so much work yeah but you know what I actually I look forward to a welcome distraction and maybe like some content that will just unite us over like a shared hatred of someone yeah or love of someone and I actually I'm gonna be watching it and I look forward I well that's a big statement <laughs> but I, I'm I'm not dreading it as much as you oh no I'm like totally dreading it um I had a question for you about um what was my question? It was about... Oh, is it a story today about Luke P breaking his bachelor contract and owing $100,000 to ABC? No, but it could be. No, well, now that you we're talking what, about it, let's just bring that up. I thought I think that's crazy. I feel like ABC talks hypothetically about you know their contracts and like people being in breach all the time, but this is the first time I've actually heard of someone legitimately being in breach and having to pay. Yeah. Um, so now that we're here, we could talk about it. He was ordered to pay $100,000 to Bachelorette producers because of him speaking out. I think it was the Reality Steve podcast that is what did him in. And I mean, I I, I don't know how I feel about it. I have to read the whole like uh, report. But it feels like he's being singled out considering everyone goes on podcasts and talks smack. hundred percent. And I know that there are people who go on podcasts and say things and they get like a little slap on the wrist from producers, but I've never heard of anyone actually being like fully prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. And that $100,000 is a lot of money that obviously ABC doesn't need and Luke P probably does. Um, I agree. It definitely feels like he's being singled out because that's crazy. We've heard about this myth of bachelor contracts and things they can say, can't say, but they're always like alluding to shit on podcasts and on social media. And everyone's really like flexible and willy nilly with the pot, with the contract. So I find this really shocking. Yeah. Also, I didn't listen to Luke P's you know, spilling the tea, but so I don't know what he said, but I feel like other contestants, especially most recently Colton, they've said like so much more damning things about the process, but I don't know what he said. So, but I mean, Colton was very meticulous in doing it. Um, when he was out of his contract, like that's when his book came out and all that stuff. And he was like very, he laid very low for a while before his, um, contract was up and then when it wasn't he released that whole book so I'm sure it has something like the timing is everything yeah that makes sense well I mean this is crazy and you know who suffers here Luke the podcasters yes because the interviews are just getting thinner and thinner yes (laughs) that's funny um 
of course, it always comes back to the, you know, the hardworking podcaster. Yeah, of course. And we're just constantly getting slammed. But we make do. We, we do. really do. We do do do. We do do. Did you say do do? Do do. No, I said, I said do 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 Theodora. Do 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 Theodora. Do 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 Theodora. Oh, gosh. Yeah, you and I keep missing each other because we're on FaceTime, you guys. If when we're synced up sounding, it's going to sound bad on the podcast. Really? Whatever. I don't think that was so. Just a mess. Let's try it one more time. Yeah. Three, okay. two, Three, one. Three, two, one. Do, do, do. Why'd you slow? Why'd you slow down? You waited a second on the FaceTime. <laughs> no, I didn't. You did. No, I didn't. One more no, time. I didn't. Three, Two, one. Do 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 Okay, whatever. We're bo- we're boring people. Um, let's just dive right in. Okay. Are you ready for the past five stories that you need to know before you wake up and take a bite out of your morning toast? And I am, but I just, I would, I'm feeling sick to my stomach. I'm just disgusted. And it's because, like, it would be really wrong of me to keep this, this a secret for much longer. Today's episode is brought to you by probably one of the most fabulous sponsors that have ever graced this show, Margaret M. Mm -hmm. In today's hectic lifestyle, women want to look and feel good with ease, but without compromising style. Margaret M. offers a line of pants, skirts, and shorts that are versatile, easy to wear, complements a woman's figure. Women that have already discovered their slimming pants immediately fall in love and say that it's the most comfortable, flattering pair of pants they've ever worn. The actual term they use is addictive. They say the same about their shorts and skirts. What makes these magical is the memory stretch fabric fabric and fit you will never feel or look better whether at work or play yes jackie and i both have pairs of pants and skirts for margaret m and i don't know what they're putting in their in their pants but it's like magical pants crack it's so stretchy (laughs) and slimming but without looking like leggings like they're very formal pants and shorts but they look tailored but not like trousers and i've worn a number of them on the show and i always get so many questions. They're magical pants crack. They feel like butter and they make you look like the professional that you are while also being the comfortable queen that you are. Yeah, Margaret M didn't really want us to tell you guys about the secret MPC, magical pants crack, but we just thought it would be important because <laughs> that's exactly what it is. It's like literal like magic. It's like Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. They're just like, they look good on everyone. They look good on Jackie. They look good on me. Yes. Um, And it's fabulous. They're all available in sizes extra small through double XL and they have plus sizes 1X to 3X depending on certain styles. They're super versatile in their designs and they're easy to wear at work or even casually. You just pull them on, no zipper or button, which I love. The garments can be put in the washing machine so you can say goodbye to expensive dry cleaning bills. They're really fabulous, and if you want to get 20% off your first order and to top it off, a free face mask. I wore one of their face masks um, a few weeks ago, and I got so many DMs of people asking me where it's from, and it's free in your order when you go to margaretm.ca. That's M-A-R-G-A-R-E-T-M dot C-A, margaretm.ca, 20% off your first order. Um, you got to use the code TOAST, though, so margaretm ca code toast for 20% off and the free face mask I was just talking about code toast and they also offer hassle-free returns if you are not satisfied don't miss out love it sign on get your magical pants crack mpc okay 
Before we get into the Fast Five stories, I want to let you know that like most of them are relationship news, and it's it's not looking good, you guys. First up, Jonah Hill and fiance Gianna Santos call up their engagement of just over a year sparking rumors that justice for Ruthie will be served. Yes, I have seen the reports kind of predicting like different business analysts that justice for Ruthie might be on the horizon. And that made me really, really excited. And if you're new here, we have to give you some background. I got so many DMs like of the Us Weekly, like they broke up justice for Ruthie because it was such (laughs) a crazy turn of events. And I feel like it really was probably the last good thing that ever happened in our Facebook group. No, it was like one of the first. Oh no, the By first the way, bad it thing. Being a bad thing. The first bad thing that happened in our Facebook groups. Yes. So there once was a girl named Ruthie, and she was a lovely, beautiful young gal, fun loving, living in New York, and she had ran into Jonah Hill on the street, and they didn't say anything to each other, but she like couldn't believe that she saw him, and she actually had a really inspired idea to DM him and be like, I think I just saw you on Bleecker Street. And, you know, she's so cute and exciting, and I'm sure her picture was very inviting that Jonah Hill not only responded, but responded not on, like, a fan level, but on an intimate, like, friendship relationship level. And they were, like, DMing and, like, maybe going to go out. And Ruthie, because she's a smart girl with good taste, leaned on her toasters in her favorite Facebook group to help her, you know, it's hard to talk to a celebrity. It's hard to talk to a a boy in general, but to a celebrity, there's a lot of pressure, especially in this like weird DM format. So she ran to the toasters looking for guidance. And at first, of course, the normal people, the toasters were so um, helpful and welcoming and inviting and secretive because she doesn't want to look like she's being thirsty and she wasn't being thirsty. She just needed help in a time of dire crisis. Okay. And of course, all good things must come to an end because some hooser took screenshots of what was going on in the Facebook group and DM them to Jonah Hill and was like, just want to let you know, like your girl Ruthie is out here tripping. And of course, Jonah Hill, who clearly checks his DMs far too frequently, saw the yes. screenshots and was immediately put off by Ruthie and wanted nothing to do with her when it actually could have been the greatest love story of our generation. So it was yeah. really... I mean, I can go into, like, a whole tirade about how that person who DM'd Jonah Hill, like, I think that you are the, like, the actual biggest piece of trash. Like, I just, you are the type of person, <laughs> like, if you're hearing this, you probably don't listen to this podcast anymore. You're, de- you're definitely giving me former toaster energy, FTE. 100%. But if you are listening to this, like, you are the worst. Oh, my God. Like, ugh. <laughs> you are not a woman who supports woman, women. You are just, like, such a little shit-stirring potser. And, like, you fucking ruined this for Ruthie. And you also ruined it for us. Like, you did. Everyone was so excited. Everyone was being discreet. Like, we were cool back then. Like, we knew how to handle things like this. And it was just really, like, the first symptom that the group was really problematic because that was, like, the loseriest thing that ever fucking happened. Ruthie got destroyed. Her relationship with Jonah Hill got destroyed. And now we're thinking there might be a second chance. And I don't even know if Ruthie's a toaster anymore. This was, like, such a long time ago. But, Ruthie, if you're listening to this, like, go for it. This is, this is the sign you've been looking for from the universe. Like, Ruthie. It's your time. Go for it. Yeah. And you can tell him, like, there's no more group. Like, you've learned, Snatcher learned your lesson. Yes. You see, like, he was with another woman, and you, you've been waiting for this moment. Well, maybe sound, like, a little less sad, Desperate. You, yeah. You know what to do, Ruthie. But here are the deets, okay? Jonah Hill and his fiance, not Ruthie, have ended their relationship a little over a year after getting engaged, people confirms. A source tells people the split was amicable between the two. After Gianna would find Jonah 
it's sleep very hard. In the night. What? Sleep talking in the night, asking, where's Ruthie? <laughs> I thought you were serious. I'm like, how does People Magazine have this information? Oh my God, that's so funny. You yeah, know, she definitely came between oh. them. Like, it was a wedge that couldn't be ignored. Allegedly, a woman named Ruthie, who was beautiful, <laughs> stunning, and smart, and a fan of the morning toast, was never far from Jonah's mind. And Santos, 31, had to move on. That's devastating That's for Santos. Says. But, you know, when true love comes like this once in a lifetime, you just, you can't ignore it. Yeah. That's what the article says, at least. So, who but knows? Back to know. this couple, just in general. I feel like they were so random and they happened so fast. And I'm not really shocked at all that they got, um... That they broke up, but, um, you know, my heart still beats for Ruthie and Jonah. And that's when I wake up every morning and I'm like, you know, go to bed every night. I say my prayers. I think of Ruthie and Jonah. Like I keep them in my heart. They've just been, they've, you know, when you're just like really affected by a couple, like their love is like inspiring and it stays with you. Yeah. That's what I had. And so for us, Ruthie and Jonah stands for us, Rona stands (laughs) (laughs) for us, Rona stands. This is an exciting time because the possibilities are endless. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, when I go down to my port of all my ships in the harbor, mm. um, I still, I keep a ship for Ruthie and Jonah. I never let it sail. Now, I have a question for you. Can you give us, like, a, a guided digital tour of your port? Who else is down there? Oh, of course. Sure. I thought you'd never ask. Um, so, I have my most major ships, you know, my forever, my forever people. I would say, like, but... What's most like, and those ships are sort of in the back and you don't really see them so much and they're not as interchangeable. But like these days, like Machine Gun Kelly, Megan Kelly, they have a little ship. It's um, getting bigger this, too. It's getting bigger too. And another ship that we had had that actually might be sinking is Lily James and Chris Evans. Oh, the, by the way, can we talk about that story? Is that a story? Yeah, that's actually the next story if you want to get right into it. It's, that's actually a sickening segue. It's so strange. So strange. Dominic West and his wife insist that their marriage is strong after he's spotted with Lily James. Dominic West and wife Catherine Fitzgerald insisted in a handwritten note shown to paparazzi that their marriage is, quote, strong and kissed for photographers outside their family home after pictures emerged this week of West getting cozy with actress Lily James in Rome. The note read, our marriage is strong and we're very much still together. Thank you. So for those who don't know, Dominic West um, starred in The Affair. He played the worst character on TV of all time named Noah. He's also in and The Wire. Oh, that I Allegedly, know, I've never seen it. What's crazy about this story is it's really like life imitates art yes. sort of thing. Making Lily James Allison and Catherine Fitzgerald. What was his wife's name? M- M- Helen. Mora? Oh, Helen. Her name is Mora Tierney in real life. Okay, Helen, yes. Yes. No, to me, there's so many weird elements about this story. I think the most horrifying one is the fact that they hand wrote a letter on a piece of, like, printer paper with a Sharpie and, like, gave it to the paparazzi. Like, don't you have a publicist? It's called a statement. Like, they're taking, like, they're just being so extreme and, like, primal about a statement. I think it's so funny. Second of all, life imitating art, definitely a weird thing about here, about this story. There has always been something weird about Dominic West. Allison who was on the affair, who was like one of the main characters, like literally disappearing in the night and like never coming back to the show. There was so much weirdness, especially towards the end. And he just gives me very, very weird vibes. Um, It's obvious that they have some sort of arrangement, you know, and that's their marriage because you don't get caught, 
kissing another woman and then you don't like stand by your wife and say that your marriage is great and she's there kissing you too that's just not how life works so it's obvious that they have some sort of arrangement but like lily james is fabulous and and young and what does she want with this smelly old man i don't know maybe she didn't watch the affair so she doesn't like hate him as much as we do Ugh, hate 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 they're currently working together on the set of a period drama the pursuit of love also, as I said, last we heard from her, she was linked to Chris Evans. And I think that we, I, I think you and I differed, if I remember correctly. Like, you thought this was just a flash in the pan, and I thought maybe, like, a, a ship was yes. starting to set sail. But it's clear that you were right, and I was wrong. And, but you know what? Like, her and Chris, Jay, Chris Evans, like, that makes sense. Like, that is an appropriate pair. Like, they're th- similar fame levels, similar age. They're kind of similar looking. I, like, I could see those two hopping to bed, you know? Like, I can. I could see it. But this Dominic West thing leaves me very confused and with lots of questions because it just makes absolutely no fucking sense. Yeah, when I saw the story I sent it to you, I just thought it was, like, beyond crazy. Well, also, um, it's crazy to get caught taking, like, uh, making out with someone, like, via paparazzi. Yeah, they were, like, at lunch in the public, just kissing each other's necks. They were on a romantic getaway to Rome. Like, this isn't, you know, Justin Timberlake holding hands that one time. No, but even though. that was crazy, too. I think about that all the time. <laughs> yeah, but this isn't, like, this was really premeditated affair dumb. It was a date. It was a date on a romantic getaway to Roma. Roma. Well, um, we'll keep you updated on what happens here, but all parties involved are fucking weird. Agreed. Okay, next story, a little more relationship splitsville news, one that I did not see coming. Bethany Frankel splits from boyfriend Paul Burnin after two years together. I'm so upset by this. Uh, Bethany and Paul Burnin have called it quits after two years of dating. Page Six has exclusively learned they broke up a couple weeks ago and are saying it's because of distance. But you know Bethany, a source told Page Six. What a mean source. Holy, what's, who's the source, Ramona? Oh my God, that is so crazy. Well, now I don't believe the story. Yeah, I mean, if, if that's it, the source. If it is true, I'll be really, really upset. I feel like Bethany is someone who just deserves happiness in a relationship and she deserves a healthy relationship she's been in so many toxic relationships and she's still like a very strong person and I really actually thought this guy Paul was going to be it for her like they had such a happy life like he's just as successful as she is they travel to Italy they do philanthropy like it's a rich person's dream and if it's not working out I'll be really really sad for her yeah me too now I feel I mean I feel like the story's probably true, but I just, now there's a hole in it based on this bitchy source. Um, yeah. But I also, I, I too thought that this was endgame for her, and there was a ship involved, I'm not going to lie. No, it was a big one, because they're both super wealthy, and they were always on yachts. Like, it was a big ship yeah. for me. They actually, they bought their boat, and they just docked it in my port. This is a, this is a tough loss, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm probably, like, one of Bethany's biggest fans. Like, I just really want good things for her. Um... Mm-hmm. And in her personal life, I feel like these good things are far and few between. Few and far between. Yeah. Few and far between. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully if this is what went down, it's what's best for Bethany and that she finds someone even more suited for her. Yeah, like he lives in Boston. It's not the biggest deal. When you have like when you have private planes at your accessible to you, Boston to New York is like uptown to downtown. Yeah, it's like a 45-minute flight. That's like a 45-minute car ride to go see your mans. Yeah, no, sometimes, like, if I'm going, like, all the way downtown, it could take me 45 minutes. 
Yeah, that would be like dating someone who lives in New Jersey. Hoboken, yeah. That's long distance. Totally. Ooh, sorry. I just got choked up because this next story really hurts me. Um, Because Kelly Clarkson is saying that the past few months have been horribly sad during her divorce. Quote, it's the worst. So, Kelly Clarkson is being careful of everyone involved in her ongoing divorce from Brandon Blackstock during what she says has been a horribly sad time. The singer spoke to Entertainment Tonight about being open when it comes to sharing her personal experiences with fans, while also balancing her loved one's privacy. Clarkson is mom to daughter River Rose and son Remington Alexander, as well as a stepmom to her ex-husband's children from a previous marriage. She said, the thing that's been kind of hard to navigate is I'm an open book, but at some point I'm a mama bear more than I am a person in the public eye. So I care 100% more about my children than I do anything else on Mm -hmm. this planet. So that's been the hard thing of like, yes, I'm willing to share my experience. And yes, it is the worst. I mean, the past few months have been horribly sad, but at the same time, I have to think, hmm, like what I say has a domino effect in other people's lives. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, Kelly Clarkson is just like truly an American idol, literally. Um, And I just feel like when you get divorced at that stage, like with kids and like everything is so complex, it's probably so difficult. And I feel like that's what Marriage Story was like trying to emulate. But you know who did it better than Marriage Story is Betty and Don Draper, like seeing like you being happy in your own life, but then also seeing like your husband move on and like having to split your kids and like now your kids love the stepmom. Like it's 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 hard. Like I can imagine that's very difficult. And Kelly Clarkson is just so strong and she works so hard and we just like we need happiness for her and we need inner peace for her. Yeah, we really do. And I I'm sure she's on her way there. But there's going to be some bumps in the road. And, and us Kelly stands, we we support you, Kelly. If you're listening, somehow you've ended up in the wrong podcast app in the store. We support you. Yeah, we're unwavering. And I think that I just love her. And, then, you know, I feel like she's probably more open than ever because now that she's like a daytime talk show host, she's in people's living rooms, people feel very close to her. And she's probably opening up on her show and just like when she's doing press more now than she ever has about like personal stuff and just like what's going on in her life. And I appreciate that that doesn't stop with her divorce, even if it's just to let us know like, Hey, I have kids. I'm not talking about this. Yeah, definitely. Well, so I think that's what she's probably trying to do here. It's like, please respect my space. And as Kelly stands, we have no choice, but to respect her space. Consider the space respected, respected. And as like the number one Kelly fan in the world, um, like I don't need like, if I don't need it, no one else does. Do you yes. know what I mean? Yes. Sometimes when you're, like, so obsessed with someone and their relationship is, like, a huge part of, like, why you're obsessed with them, you feel like you need to know what happened. But in this particular situation, I think we can all kind of take a step back and give Kelly respect um, and space because I don't need to know. Honestly, I, I couldn't pick her husband out of a lineup. Yeah. I agree. Like, if he was standing next okay. to, like, a bunch of, like, guys in a bar in the middle of... Idaho, I wouldn't have any idea that he was famous or rich. Yeah, well, he's not famous. Well, we're talking about him. I guess. But yeah, no, I I don't know what he looks like. And is he the one who's Reba's son? Or that was her previous? Yeah. So he was Reba's stepson, but she broke up with her mans that connected her to him. Right. And now she's running around town with who was it that we reported on? From, uh... Fast and Furious. Oh, right. He was like a no-name cutie. A no-name cutie who has a familiar fox. Yeah, and CSI. Oh, yeah, I remember him. I remember. CSI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mad cute. Mad cute. Okay, are you ready for our fifth and final story? Sad. Yeah. So sad. It's, It's always sad when it's the fifth and final. Yeah, make it a good one. 
Oh, shit. Pressure's on. I don't know if I delivered. But um, Patricia Field is sharing the stories behind her Emily in Paris outfits. What do you think? Wow, that's... Or should I scream? That's should bleak. I sc- a bleak... Should I scramble for another one? No, it's okay. Is there anything interesting in the article about Emily? Well, not about Emily, but about the inspiration for the outfits. And I actually didn't know that Patricia Field did the wardrobe for the show. And I think that wardrobe is one of the biggest conversation pieces about the show. I agree. And I also do want to talk about the show like a little bit more. Okay. If you're interested. Always. Not that I think that my opinions have changed. I just want to like restate them. Maybe in a different, maybe in a different frame. Because I feel like people think that we hated the show. And like, there's absolutely nothing to hate about the show. Like, it's a perfectly fine show. I think. There's just nothing to love. I think people think that you hated the show. But I have this relationship with it where it's like it pushes my buttons, but I cannot wait for the next season. Like, I'm very much a fan of the show, but I definitely think it needs some work. Um, And I'm sorry, I'm critical of the things that I care about. And that's just on period. You really can't wait for the next season? Yeah, no, like when it was over, I was like, damn, I wish we had a second season right now. Oh, my God. When it was over, I was like, finally, back to a place (laughs) to call home. (laughs) Okay, anyway, legendary costume designer Patricia Field is the brains behind the unforgettable outfits from Sex and the City, The Devil Wears Prada, Younger, and more. Most recently, she uh, teamed up with Darren Star again for Emily in Paris. She says, I visualized Emily as an optimistic young professional who was happy to have an opportunity to work in Paris. She tries to adapt to French chic while still expressing her, her American identity. To that end, Emily often punctuates... Her everyday looks with berets and even sports an Eiffel Tower printed top by Alice and Olivia to her first day on the job at French luxury marketing company Savoir, a move that, according to Field, expresses on one hand her naivete and the other her excitement for this work opportunity. I actually loved her first day of work outfit and that she was wearing something that had an Eiffel Tower on it because, like, I feel like that's something an American girl in Paris would do. Yeah, to be honest, like, the, I feel like the, the wardrobe was probably like the best and worst part of the show for me. Cause it was so sickening. And like most of it was really just cool. But then part of you is like having a hard time suspending disbelief. And it's like, okay, she is like an account executive. She just moved to Paris. How does she have a new Chanel bag every day of the week? And like a couture gown to wear to all these galas. Like it makes no sense. But that was also something that I feel like sex in the city had. And I feel like I keep comparing the two, but it's really just because Patricia Field did sex in the city. Darren started sex in the city. Um, but like Carrie, like literally couldn't, you know, find two nickels to rub together, but she had a thousand pairs of Manola Blahniks. Yeah, I agree with that. And to some degree, I'm okay, like, suspending disbelief. Like, her wardrobe doesn't have to totally match up to, like, her approximate salary. But to have a, like, very niche, specific, unique Chanel bag for every Chanel coat that she Mm -hmm. has, it's just unbelievable. Not to be believed. And then, like, walking out of her apartment, from what I'm told, in one of, like, the best, most expensive residential Parisian neighborhoods. You know? It's like, how does that add up? Oh, is that what you're told? Well, that actually kind of adds up because it was supposed to be for her boss. The apartment for her boss. So she like got a sweet situation. But who's paying for the apartment? The company, no? I don't think so. She said in the beginning of the show that there was like a moving stipend or whatever. Yeah, like cuz you have to pack up your shit and move and like it's expensive to move. I think that's what a moving stipend yeah. is. I don't think they pay for your apartment. Okay, interesting. Uh, Patricia Field also said the ballet outfit was inspired by Audrey Hepburn, which I totally see. Lily Collins really does look like Audrey Hepburn. That was a beautiful outfit. Um, The perfume um, party where she was, like, wearing that black strapless, uh, like, teacup-length dress. You know how I feel about teacup-length, but it was sickening. 
Oh, wow. We'd love to see that. Also, you know what I wouldn't mind seeing in a show like this? What? Some outfit repetition. I know that's like not, I know that goes against the point of the costume A wardrobe designer, yeah. I think that really would make it more realistic. Yeah, I think I've been trying to put into words like why the show it's kind of been like this polarizing thing like people are talking about it like how it's so cringy and it's like what all these things but that they also love it and I can't figure out what it is that makes the show so like bad but also good and I agree that at some point it's like far too unrealistic in just the logistics of the show and I know that's not supposed to be a factor but it's just like we're supposed to see ourselves in Emily. Like, we're, like, young girls who work in media, and it's like, I cannot relate to this bitch on any fucking level. Yeah, I agree. I, for me, it just, it comes down to the fact there's no heart and soul. There's no depth. I need, I need something, an emotional connection to the show, and, and there was none. So, yes, it was pretty to watch, sure. But when you're coming off of a place to call home, you're going to, you're going to need for more. I, and I also think that it was released at the complete worst time it could have possibly been released. She said what she said. I said what I said. Anyways, interesting to hear that Patricia Field did the designs. Yes. Page Six Style has a whole interview with her if you want to learn more about her inspiration behind Lily Collins as Emily Cooper. She's incredibly talented. Does she do the younger um, wardrobe as well? Yeah. Yeah, Darren Star like, likes to younger, keep her employed. I think the younger wardrobe most of the time completely hits the nail on the head in terms of New York City young professional working girls. I completely agree. And I think also they really hit the nail on the head on like what people in different boroughs wear, like how they dress everyone when they're in Brooklyn and how they dress everyone when they're in Manhattan. Yes. And also I think she completely hit the nail on the head in how she dresses the characters like transition from day to night, going from like working to like drinks at, uh, you know, their women's club. Yeah. I, I love Younger. That's like probably one of my favorite shows. I can't wait for it to come back. Yeah, I love it too. Who does Sutton Foster look like that we just watched? Oh, she looks like Maya. We thought she looked like Maya from Selling Sunset, but people yes. didn't agree. Oh, also, we didn't talk about yesterday, but another story to just shove in really quickly. Davina has announced that she's leaving the Oppenheim group, and so what's happening with season four of Selling Sunset is very much up in the air. Okay, I saw that. I didn't think it was like merited Fast Five, but it, does that really change the show at all? I feel like Davina was always a... like friend of housewife yeah she was like you know? a secu- secondary character always yeah this season she made a name but, for herself by being a huge bitch but until then she was fucking irrelevant yeah she was just friend of christine's woman friend of realtor yeah for so i don't think it's like gonna really affect the show whatsoever but what about her 80 million dollar property i don't know that was crazy um maybe she'll take it she has her broker's license she'll take it out on her own yeah who's really gonna want to buy a house from that I don't know how you have, like, yeah, a successful, I, like, a really, like, I don't know, actually. There's such a fine line. Like, in real estate, I feel like you can be on TV and it's not, like, tacky and it can really help, like, build your business. Like, all those million-dollar listing LA and New York people are incredibly, they make way more money doing real estate than they do from the show. Like, and the show is really good for their business. But sometimes I feel yeah. like going on the show dilutes your business depending on what, what field you're in. And it depends on the show, too. Like, I actually don't think that it has diluted the Oppenheim group. If I lived in L.A. or I was wanting to buy a house in Sunset, I would. that would be my first stop. I don't know of any other realtors out there. Uh, hello, I think it's Mauricio. Great. Think, oh, that's true. I think that, um, but he's also on a TV show. So if I'm going to be judgy about that, I might as yeah. well go to the Oppenheim group and ask for Christine directly. Of course. Christine is buying my next home in L.A. 
Yeah. So I think it depends on, on the show, on the people on the show. And I think that Sailing Sunset has not diluted Oppenheim Group. And I think that the show has been a great platform, assuming these houses actually are for sale. Right. It's a great marketing tool. And they're all about marketing these Oppenheimers. Yeah. And more people are seeing their properties, assuming these are real properties. I just like don't want to look into, you know, the validity and the... Um, Me neither. Because I know I'll be disappointed that like the whole show is fake. All the houses are fake. None of them are actually for sale. Like million dollar yeah, listing like, New York. I know a lot of people who like have lend their apartments to filming. Like those apartments were never for sale. So I know a lot of it is scripted and I just don't want to look into it because I like to pretend. Let me pretend. Yeah, the house that I loved that Mary sold, do you remember with yes. that girl? You, Emily. <laughs> apparently, she already lived there. Yes. And they just like did that. Like, and that I, I found I her Instagram and I sent it to Jackie. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, good times. I miss the selling sunset days. Yeah, well, my days of Mad Men are truly numbered. I'm so, like, I think, I don't even want to look at the episode numbers because I'm like very in on season seven. I've just been like analyzing all the characters and I need your help. Because okay. I was, like, sharing my thoughts on social media and, like, nobody agreed with me, of course. I always feel like I, like, have the opinion of the majority. And when it turns out, like, nobody agrees with me. Not even, like, the minority. Nobody. Um, but I feel like, and what I gather from my DMs is, like, we are supposed to love Peggy. She's, like, the champion. She's, like, the little engine that could. Yeah. She made it She's all the like way. She's, like, the protagonist. Yeah. And you realize that because you eventually stop rooting for Don. Like, you're... First, like your POV is always from Don and like you actually really want him to succeed, especially in the professional world. And then for me, it started like on a personal level. I did not care about him. Like I wanted him to lose. I wanted Betty to win. I wanted him to be angry. And then that started to translate to the professional world when it's like, you know what? Don is like not good at his job. He's always in the office, but can never be found. He's constantly fucking things up. He doesn't care about the partners. So it's like when they put him on that leave of absence, you're like, good. You I like I'm not now rooting for him to fail. And I think that energy I once put into wanting Don to succeed is supposed to transfer onto Peggy because she is, you know, uh, a real up and comer and she's got the ideas and she won the catch up. And she did it all, you know, as a woman, which in the 60s was virtually impossible. And we're supposed to, like, love her. I can't stand her. Like, everything about her bothers me from the what she wears to how she talks and just everything. And I just don't. I don't know what it is. And it's like, maybe there's something wrong with me as a woman. I need to get my vagina checked because I feel like I'm just supposed to love her. And I don't. I love Joan. I think she's absolutely everything of the sort. And I love that she fucking made it as a partner. I love her. But I don't think we're supposed to like love, love, love Joan. I think we're supposed to love, love, love Peggy. I don't, um, I don't know. I think Peggy's like, like there's something in Joan that inspires deep love or otherwise yeah. or like you know inspires strong feelings i think peggy is is meh really and i also think that your opinion of her character is biased due to the actress who plays yes her. i was just gonna say there's something about elizabeth olsen's that olsen that is so inherently unlikable moss. oh fuck oh my god I keep saying that. Peggy Olsen, Elizabeth Moss. There's something about her that's so inherently unlikable that it's a deep character flaw for Peggy, the fact that she's played by Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, I agree. But I think that that they chose her. Like, they knew what they were doing. Yeah. I don't think she's meant... I don't think she's meant to be super likable, but I do think you start to like her more. Her ideas, her ideas are really good. Like, if a campaign falls onto her desk, like... It's, it's in good hands. out of the park. Yeah. She's and, very and, and reliable. I think you're, you respect her professionally, for sure. Yeah. 
Um, I just got to the part last night where that guy, Michael Ginsburg, who was like the Jewish copywriter who um, like lived with his dad, they put the computer in the office and he like went insane and thought the computer was like trying to like turn everyone in the office into homosexuals. And he cut like a, a hole in his chest because he thought the computer put like a valve in there and Peggy had to call like a mental institution to like come take him out of the office. It was so sad. That is really sad. I don't remember that really. And... I wonder if that's, like, something that really happened in the 60s. Well, so now, once I'm done, I, is what part of this is real? Is is any of it real? Is it all fictional? It's all, like, based on, you know, different people and stories. It, nothing, it's, not a, it's not a true story by any means. I think Don Draper is, like, an, a, a mixture of a few different mm-hmm. madmen of the 60s. But, no, none of it is actually real. There might be, like, similar stories with, like, campaigns. Yeah. Um, ad campaigns. But... It's not meant to be taken. Yeah, okay, so I didn't think so, but it's still, it's just such an incredible show, and, like, now that it's winding down, I'm, like, appreciating every episode so much. Back to some more character um, evaluations, like, I cannot believe how much I have fallen in love with Pete Campbell. Like, he was such a little worm at first, and I don't agree with everything he does. He's very nuts, but he's so funny, even when he's not trying to be funny. He's so, like, grimy. His hairline is getting further and further and further and further from his eyebrows, like, with every episode that passes. He's just hilarious. And I don't think he's meant to trying to be funny, but there's something about his character that's actual, like, comedy genius. Where is he now in his life? He and Trudy are separated. He went to L.A. and he's, like, fucking around with that um, real estate agent, Bonnie. hmm Okay. Yeah, the L.A. episodes... Are funny. What's up with Don? Well, so he's been put on leave, and now he found out that the reason why they really want him out, he was, like, on a very downward spiral, but the reason why they wanted him out is because they're very close to getting a huge cigarette company, and the cigarette company will never work with Don. Yeah. Um. So he just interrupted the meeting between Lou, oh, Harry Hamlin, and the cigarette people, and, like, gave them, like, a whole speech about why he actually should work with them, and that's where the episode ended, because Ben wanted to go to bed, but I was up till five, like, dying to know, like, did it work, or, like, is he fired? Wait, so what do you think about Harry Hamlin? You know, I think he's a terrible actor. I really, really do. (laughs) And maybe, maybe it's a curse of being on a reality show where... I cannot see you as anything other than who you are. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if that's why I feel like he's a bad actor because he's so clearly not Mr. Cutler. He's Harry. He's making pies. Yeah. He's in Malibu. Yeah. Like either he's a bad actor or I just cannot think of him or see him as anything other than Harry Hamlin, Lisa Rinner's husband. I don't know, but something about it I'm just not buying. That's so interesting. And so do you agree with me that he's like such an ancillary character? On the show? Like, useless. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm just like, okay. I love so many of them. I'm, like, going to be sad when it's over. Like, I absolutely love Roger Sterling. Like, he's he's complex, but he's a good man. Yeah, I love him, too. Same with Burt Cooper. Like, he doesn't really have a big role, but he's just, like, funny. And I don't know. I just lo- I, I love Dawn. Um, uh, Dawn's, it's very confusing, Dawn and Dawn. Don, Don's secretary, who then got Joan's job when Joan became, you know, uh, an account man. It's just there's new characters being added all the time, and I just, like, have, we're like a family, you know, and I'm going to be really sad to see them go. I'm in the same spot. I have about four more episodes or three more episodes of A Place to Call Home. Um, I'll just never be the same after this show. Yeah. I really won't. And I think once your Mad Men hangover subsides, maybe you should start it because... It's a life-changing show, and if you guys are looking for something to get into and you've already watched Mad Men and you've already watched Desperate Housewives, 
A Place to Call Home is up there, top three for me. I said, I said wow. what I said. I mean, it's I just... I said what I said. It's one. It's like a big journey for me to start a show. It takes like a lot of convincing, but it takes a whole other level of convincing when I have to download a new app. Acorn? Acorn TV, you guys. That's the app. Five ninety nine a month, seven oh, day free oh, trial. Pay if you want to bang, yep. If you want to bang out all the episodes in seven days, oh. you can get it for free. Oh hell no. Um, hell no. Okay, I just want to say, like, it's worth it's worth its weight. And also, the app has like all these other shows that we've never heard right. of before. Like, it's a whole new can of whoop ass. Maybe I will um, use your login if that's okay. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to the Morning Toast Millennial Morning Show, where we deliver the past five stories that you need to know. We're usually delivering them on YouTube, so if you want to watch us on YouTube, head over you head over to youtube.com slash the morning toast. Subscribe, like the videos, you know what to do. We're also available as a podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. So that's Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Public Radio, iHeartRadio, Castbox, all the places. So wherever you listen to podcasts, find us the Morning Toast and leave a five star review about how beautiful, stunning, and smart we are. We hope you have an amazing day, and just remember, justice for Ruthie. Justice for Ruthie. We'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.